Welcome gorgeous listeners, you're with Kylie Roger on Good Health Radio. Today we're welcoming a friend of mine, Jocelyn Paul. Jocelyn is a former nurse, a mum and a mentor and a travelling person with me on our mental health journeys. So we've been doing DBT, Dialectical Behaviour Therapy, it's a skills-based program together this year. Welcome Jocelyn. Hi, Kylie. Thank you for having me. Oh, so lovely to have you, love. So now I just want to ask you first off, what was your diagnosis? My initial diagnosis was depression and anxiety, and that happened when I was about 19. Um, In about 2015, I got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Okay, right. So there has been some definite stages then through your mental health journey. So when you were 19 and first diagnosed with depression and anxiety, was there um, a trigger or something that led you to going to get some sort of support? Uh, Well, I had just migrated from the south of India to Australia, so I was new to the country. And I um, noticed that I was not feeling myself and I was, you know, just crying a lot. And so I sought out help with a GP and then a psychiatrist and that's when I was diagnosed but I do believe that I had a pre-existing depression and anxiety from a very young age but living in a country like India it's just not recognized as a condition whatsoever so okay so yeah massive challenge then when you were younger so I'm really green with all of the right politically correct wording and stuff so so you i have a darker colored skin yes yes so when you came to australia was were there any sort of identity issues that were going on for you that might have sort of enhanced the need for support definitely i just felt very much like an outsider i migrated in 1994 at that time there weren't very many dark-skinned people so I left everything that I'd known growing up till 19 and come to a country so foreign and just felt very different and so the identity was a big issue although I didn't realize that then. Yeah so would you say you experienced racism as such? I would say I experienced racism not on a a big level but definitely you know get the look when you go into shops and people are not as nice and but I also experienced people like oh you're from India you know um are there are there cows walking across the street and (laughs) oh you speak English so well and you know I had to explain you know my upbringing my childhood and yeah so that was good and bad yeah 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 Okay, beautiful. And then you like obviously getting help at that early age. For me, I didn't get really much support till my late 20s. So for getting help at that early age, so what sort of support, what did that look like? Was that medication? Was that psychology? Well, it looked like a very young 19-year-old going off to the doctor and then sent to a psychiatrist by herself. So no one came with me because my family didn't believe that it was an issue. Right. So I was very naive. I went to the first psychiatrist I saw, put me on antidepressants. I hadn't heard the word antidepressants before, but I did take them. And then I started seeing a psychologist. So... But it was very much driven by 
myself to go and find the help and with no one to ask about it as well and just feeling quite isolated. Wow, that sounds amazingly challenging. Yeah. So, so then with that going through the life and being married and having children, so you were diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. So can you explain a little bit about that to me, please? It's a very complex diagnosis because apparently there are professors trying to get the the diagnosis renamed because it has a very negative connotation to it mm-hmm. and um, borderline people are looked as looked on as manipulative people but basically in 2015 I went and saw a professor at the Monash Alfred psychiatric research unit and I thought it was my hormones because my depression was like so up and down my mood swings were so up and down and so she told me that in the the normal world they say borderline personality disorder but she defined it as complex trauma disorder okay so basically it's traumas that you faced as a child which shape your personality as an adult the traumas don't necessarily have to be in the form of you know violence or sexual abuse or they don't have to be big traumas they can be as little as not being listened to feeling neglected as a child you know having very uh, strict parents growing up and so that trauma just continues on into your adulthood and you know the 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 diagnose diagnostic statistics manual has criteria for borderline personality disorder and you don't have to have all of it you could just have traits of it but it's very complicated and very misunderstood disorder yeah it sounds it sounds like a very hard journey for you getting that diagnosis it was actually like a light bulb clicked when i saw her because everything what i was feeling i could put I, I had an answer for now. So it was actually, for me, the best thing that happened to me to be diagnosed. Oh, that's fantastic. So yeah. so I know that you've um, had a hospital stay. Now, for me, someone actually asked me a couple of weeks ago, do you have padded cells in a psychiatric hospital? Can you just explain to me what that experience was like for you, what you gained from that time in the mental health hospital? Sure, I was terrified myself of um, because I had heard such horror stories, and you only see these things in movies. And I refused to go into a public hospital because apparently that system is quite hard to be in. So, I, my family decided to take up private health just for me, and I went into Delmont Private Hospital. And for me, that was again another. I was terrified to go in. That was, you know, my first visit into a psychiatric hospital. And but the therapies that were offered there and seeing a, a psychiatrist there, I was only in for two weeks, but it it made a big difference to my mental health at the time. I engaged in uh, therapy, which I found very very healing. That sounds yeah. No, it sounds very supportive. It was very supportive. Uh, That was my experience. I don't know whether other people have the same experience, but for me, it came at a time when I needed it because I chose myself to go in because I realized that 
I was um, my mental health was crashing. Let me ask you what that looks like. So you said your mental health was crashing. So I think some people think that mental health is it's in a it's in the head, it's in the brain. Um, yeah. Like where you know you see the black dog sitting on your shoulder, it's like it's a it's like a cloud in your head or whatever. But yeah. it can actually be quite physical. Yeah. So would you be able to sort of give me if it's not too in, intense? What does it mean to be crashing for you? Um, for me, I just notice very little changes. They can be as small as a minor irritation with the kids or, you know, not wanting to go for my daily exercise, you know, overeating, binge eating, because I have these feelings in my body that I know they are wrong. You know, I, I wouldn't say wrong. They they just don't feel right. My my neck is where I feel it the most. I get really tense in my neck. I have like butterflies in my stomach. And your whole body feels, literally feels that you're carrying around this huge weight on your back. The little signs, and I had become very in tune to what my body was telling me. And I knew straight away that I needed to go in because otherwise I wouldn't be in a very good place. I know last weekend for you was a challenging one mentally and emotionally. Uh Would you be able to touch on the emotion that you were feeling and actually like where that felt, where it held you in the body and to explain that to people that don't feel it? Identifying emotions has been a big part of the DBT therapy, which we're doing. And to actually know that an emotion has a function and you actually can, it's a physiological reaction in your body and you can feel it. Once you feel that, you're able to kind of say, yes, I'm feeling this in my body. So last weekend I felt, I identified the emotion as, initially it was anger, but always under anger there's like sadness and sadness was the primary emotion and i just felt it in every cell of my body if i had to draw it as a color it would be like a heavy dark gray heaviness in my arms heaviness in my legs like i'm I'm drowning like you know like your breath you can't even breathe it's like you're good going down scuba diving for the first time and kind of encompasses your whole body and the tightness in your chest and yeah that's like it's a very physical feeling and it's also a very physiological thing that happens with the body because your brain is is telling all your organs to you know it's kind of a fight or freeze response and then the changes happen in your brain and then it tells your body so listening to your body actually if you can get in tune with that is is huge That sounds amazingly intense. So I think for me, understanding how people feel like depression and anxiety and borderline personality disorder, they're all like diagnosis, they're words. But but really it's the feeling, it's a full encompassing body, mind, spirit, feeling, everything that happens to us. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, completely. And I didn't didn't know that before. I would just say oh my God, I just feel so crap today and I don't know why. From learning with DBT to identify there are so many emotions and they all have a function and you can feel them in your body. 
it makes me very in tune with picking up on when I'm having a bad day, when I'm going to go down. And it also makes me in tune with picking up because I had complete exhaustion. I'm still very exhausted from the weekend. But I know that that's there for a reason. So I'm not going to sit around and say, I feel so tired and I don't know why. I know why I'm tired. Yeah, you've been depleted, totally depleted. I'm speaking with Jocelyn Paul about her mental health journey and we'll be back right after this break. Welcome back, listeners, to Good Health Radio. I'm with Jocelyn Paul. Welcome back, Jocelyn. Now, I'd like to speak to you about something you mentioned before that was really helpful for you, art therapy. Now, how has that helped you in your journey? I always thought art was drawing pretty pictures and (laughs) (laughs) colouring between the lines and making a perfect little picture. And when I was in hospital, I went along to an art therapy class just thinking, oh, I'll just go and draw something. But then there was a topic, and then they told me that I don't have to be perfect, and I don't have to do colour between the lines, and I can tear pictures for a collage rather than cut them up. And I was gobsmacked. I'm like, okay, how is this going to work with me not getting a perfect picture out? But that whole process for me personally, it just let me let go of inhibitions, It let me feel what I was feeling and express it on paper. And art therapy is more about the process. It's not about the end product. It's about what you feel when you're doing it and what comes out on paper at the end of it. And that surprised me because things I never knew or believed or thought about was coming up on paper. And I was drawing things and I was doing symbols and I was putting colors in and I didn't know where that was coming from and it was so much in my subconscious that I couldn't express those things in words but I could express them as a painting or as a drawing or you know as a clay clay model uh, or something and that was like I learned so much about myself in two weeks doing art therapy That sounds absolutely amazing. So what you're saying is it's almost like tapping into the subconscious. So we're not having these thoughts and words come in. It's just allowing our bodies to express through what we need to feel with the color, how we touch. Wow. So, So my amazing thing that I'm thinking about you is that this has actually led you to study art therapy. What are you studying now? Yeah, it certainly has. I'm doing a diploma in holistic integrated creative art therapy. It's a new modality, but it's been recognized in 27 countries. And basically, it's all about the process of there's no right or wrong. You can't do an assessment task right or wrong. It's just to give you an example, the most recent task I did, we did was sound therapy. And so within the art therapy that I'm doing at the moment, there's different modalities. So it's all considered creative expression. And in doing that activity as well, I just learned so much about myself. It's actually more therapeutic for me. (laughs) I mean, yes, I want to make a career of it later, but it's so therapeutic for me at the moment that I'm processing so many things going through the modules. That's just amazing. So I, my daughter is nine and um as you know she's having she has a lot of emotional issues yeah 
how do you feel about kids doing art therapy? Is that something would benefit them? Uh, I think it would benefit them so much because in the normal school system, even art is, again, you know, you do this, you color this, you cut this shape. You For kids who have strong emotions and who don't want to do that, they just want maybe they have more creative than others. They put in a box and then they look at probably something that they've done and they're going to think, oh, I don't know whether that's right. Yeah. And brings up a lot of, am I good enough? Have I done that right? Um, is the teacher going to like it? Are my friends going to laugh at it? And with art therapy, it is nothing of the sort. It's just like, do what you want to do. You want to color the sea purple, you color the sea purple. <laughs> and I think that's very empowering for a child because personally, like I remember my own mother coming with me to one of my daughter's kinder sessions and my daughter's 18 now, but when she was four, she was drawing a, little, drawing a little picture and she colored the fire in blue. And my mom said to her, the fire's not blue, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And she became a little perfectionist, not from that incident, but, you know, little things like that affects a child when they're especially in the developmental years. So I've, you, you wouldn't even call it art therapy as such. You would just call, I would, for a child, just call it art expression or creative exploration. But they are getting that freedom to express and it's all about how the process makes them feel. So I, I believe every child should be given that opportunity to do that. That's amazing. That is so good. So how long before you're qualified and we can all come round and get <laughs> art therapy from you, Joss? Uh, I've got a bit of a, a while to go. I'll finish um, next year, but I'm so excited about everything I'm learning. And I, I can't wait to, to just put it into practice for young people, old people. Like It's like I've learned all these things and I just want to share it with people because for me, it's been the best thing that's happened. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one more thing that I'd like to cut, that talk to you about. So something that's really raw for me that I find challenging with mental health is the pressure, guilt, shame that we put on ourselves about allowing ourselves time to heal. Now, I was wondering, is this something that comes up in your life or is this something that you, you're totally okay with? It has come up so much in my life. As I said before, I didn't know what I was feeling, so I couldn't say, oh, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that. But once I discovered emotion, I discovered that I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot of shame, a lot of guilt that I'm not a good mother. I I have a mental illness. What am I going to transfer to my kids? How do my kids see me when I'm having a bad day? What do my kids think about me going into hospital? I mean, because I'm very focused on mental health, you know, I try to bring my kids up where they are aware of things. But I had a lot of guilt in that area as a mum of not being good enough. And I also did have a lot of shame in certain areas of why do I have to be in the only one in the family who who's going through this and I question my mental health all along because there's been such a stigma from family from friends from and because I'm a very high functioning person it's very difficult for people to look at me and think oh you have this diagnosis so that guilt and shame 
would come up a lot. But in doing DBT, I learned to identify it and bring it down because yeah. it's, it just can't keep repeating itself. And in your own words, you know, it has to have a um, use-by date. <laughs> <laughs> so because we can't keep beating ourselves up over things that were not in our control. And, you know, the fact that as women, we think, are we good enough, is actually saying that we are, we are, because we're thinking about it. If we didn't think about it, we wouldn't even ask that question. But it's a huge, huge, those are huge emotions to get past, and you don't get past them overnight. Like just this weekend, when I had a bad weekend, I questioned everything. I felt so guilty. And I said to my husband, Leslie, I said, I feel guilty for taking time out for myself. Yeah. To even rest when I, I need, you know, I need that. So it's just, yeah, those are very difficult emotions and they're very, very prominent uh, with, I think, any mental health diagnosis because you're looked at as, oh, why can't you do this? And, you know, I think the pressure is more from ourselves as well. I totally hear you. And I think that one thing you said there is you're very high functioning. And I think yeah. that's something that really hits home with me because you get up, you look after the kids, you cook dinner, you you look like you're okay on the outside, yeah. but yeah. but it's what's going on on the inside mm-hmm. that's pulling us back, pulling us down. Yeah. yeah. And I feel that's been a bit of a downfall as well because, you know, you just want to keep that. You don't want what you feel guilty to let people know. You feel what are they going to think and I'm that high functioning mom I'm at every PDA meeting I'm at all the city games I'm like going having coffee I'm like you would never ever believe and in fact I had this from my friends for a very very long time it's only in the last two years that I came out and said you know this is what I'm struggling with so people still find it very difficult uh, to accept that that's the fact like if you're not a bubbly mess on the floor yeah. You're okay. And if you're a bubbling mess on the floor, you probably got to that point where there is no return anyway. So, yeah. wow, Jocelyn, thank you so much for spending this time with me today with our listeners. It's been very enlightening and it's made me feel a lot of compassion for you. And I'm, I'm thankful that you've shared your journey so others may be able to find some support themselves or find a way to get support. So, yeah, so thank you so much, Jocelyn, and have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you, listeners. You've been on Good Health Radio with Kylie Roger and Jocelyn Paul. We'll be back after this. Thanks, Kylie. Thank you.